Hey, my name's Danielle, and this is the Spooky Hour. Hey, welcome to episode three of the Spooky Hour. Uh, You probably have already noticed that half of the Spooky Hour is not here. Um, Unfortunately, Holly can't record this week. Her and her family are going through a pretty rough time right now. Um, We did bounce back and forth between actually recording an episode and not recording an episode. Uh, But Holly and I want to keep our episodes coming out every week and collectively. So we decided that I would just record episode three uh, solo. uh, Just for you precious spookies, have something to uh, start your week off with. So just to start, I just wanted to thank every single human being that has listened to our podcast, who has tuned into our first two episodes. Uh, we both, Holly and I, are absolutely floored at the positive responses we, we have received and that we actually have listeners. That's absolutely crazy to me. I mean, we have a map that shows where our listeners are from. We have one in the UK. We have a few in Australia, um, all across the world, in the States. Like, that's just fucking badass and we could not be more thankful for you guys so we honestly thought it would be just our parents listening to us but we were proved wrong so thank you thank you thank you for tuning into those first two episodes and hopefully you like this episode it's going to be a bit different as i am alone and it's actually kind of weird just to talk to myself uh so hopefully it's okay so yeah just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of our cold dead ass hearts that we love you and thank you for listening i'm just sitting in my living room by myself recording and I don't know it's just it's weird Um, but hopefully Holly can return next week we will keep you updated on that Uh, this episode is probably not going to be as long as the first two episodes as it is a solo uh, episode but in the true spooky spirit I did do um, kind of like a true crime and a spooky tale for you guys so hopefully you enjoy it we'll just jump into it I'm gonna I think next week, uh, our next episode, when Holly does come back, uh, we'll save all of our shout-outs because we do have a few people we want to thank, but I think we'll wait for Holly to come back for that. So I'm just going to jump into it for you guys. So today we're going to talk about the mysterious death of Elisa Lam. So Elisa Lam was born on April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, British Columbia. So that is in Canada. She was a student at the University of British Columbia. Uh, However, she did suffer from bipolar disorder and depression. Her family did actually confirm this. And she also had a blog called Etherfield, and she also had a Tumblr account. And on both of those accounts, she had expressed what she was going through, um, her illness. She was very open about it. Um, And I actually viewed both of these accounts, and my gosh, they're, they're... fucking sad they're so sad one of the last uh blog post that is on her etherfield account that's not a tumblr account like it's an actual legitimate blog but i'll just read you one part of of this so the title is you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life i did take a little paragraph from it just to make you guys understand what what she was going through how she was feeling at that time so this is just what she posted it's it's a it is a long a long story for this this blog but i only just took a quick part of it um so and i quote i feel i'm wasting my time compared to my fellow peers i had a relapse at the start of the term and had to drop two of the three courses i was taking now i now i am down to one course and i've missed three weeks of classes since my sleeping pattern is completely reversed i'm a bit defeated and i have far too much free time and no one to spend it with and end quote 
that's just absolutely heartbreaking. She was having a pretty rough time. Um, she did end up dropping out of a lot of courses, as she did state. So she was, go- she was going through a pretty rough time. Um, but however, on January 13th, 2013, Elisa posted that she had booked a trip to the States where she would visit San Diego, San Francisco, and LA. This She called it her West Coast tour. Uh, she was doing this trip alone, so obviously her family is like hella worried about it. Uh, they are obviously aware of her illness and worried for her safety, of course. I mean, it's her first trip alone. So, I mean, any no- normal parent would be terrified of it because we live in a scary fucking society nowadays. They did support her and she did say she would call in literally every single day to check in, which she definitely did up until her disappearance. Elisa left on January 22nd, 2013 uh, for her solo trip where she went to San Diego and she did, as she said, checked in every single day with no issues. Uh, Checked in every single day with her parents, of course, but with no issues. And she's actually been documenting her trip on her blog and Tumblr as well. Uh, On January 26th, she made it to LA and checked into the Cecil Hotel. So if you guys are not aware, the Cecil Hotel has some crazy ass history behind it. And I'm going to go into that in in a bit. Um, But she did end up staying at this hotel. Uh, So she continued to document her vacay while she was in LA. But all of that stopped on January 31st. So a couple days after she had checked in. So on the January 31st, she never checked in with her parents as she obviously did every single day. So immediately they got worried. And she was actually supposed to check out of the Cecil Hotel on January 31st. So when her parents got worried and called the hotel, they stated that she never came to check out. So immediately got worried. Elisa's parents um, immediately called the LAPD. So the LAPD went to the hotel to search for her, but they weren't able to get a search warrant for the actual room. So they could only search the main areas like the lobby. And I'm pretty sure they ended up like searching the roof, but not too in depth, but they did have access to the roof, Um, but they never found anything. So they were kind of like, it was a dead end at that point. So a couple days uh, later, they were at the LAPD were at a dead end. So they released uh, CCTV footage on February 14th from the Cecil Hotel elevator uh, just to try to make local people, anyone in the area aware of what she looked like, if they have seen her um, or anything like that. And if you have not seen this video, I suggest you go look at it. It is on YouTube because it is the most spooky video I've ever seen in my whole entire life. So Elisa's looks like she's in a very extremely manic state and really spooked out. Um, She ended up like pushing all the buttons in the elevator. I mean, it looked like she pushed all the buttons in the elevator. It's kind of a grainy video. At one point was hiding in the corner of the elevator. Like she would look like she was hiding from somebody and she would like exit the elevator and enter the elevator. She would like, when she was hiding in the corner, she like peeked around the elevator and like looked around like she was like looking for someone or hiding from someone. It's it's just really weird. Um, So we have no, like they obviously have no idea what was going through her mind at that time. And she was also making hand gestures with her hands. Like it was, she was standing outside the elevator and moving her hands. Kind of looked like she was talking to somebody, but no one was there. And the video was almost like two, three minutes long. And no one at that time besides Elisa is on that video. There's no one that walked by the elevator doors or anything like that. There was no one there. They had released this video in hopes that someone would actually recognize her. According, like, no- nothing really came from it. So days leading up to, like, her disappearance, um, Elisa had posted on her blog. And these posts were just extremely out of the ordinary, like, super weird. Um, so she had posted that two men had aggressively pursued her at a bar called The Speakeasy, which is in LA. And that apparently, like, she had lost her phone there too. So so that, that was a bit weird. It was getting a little bit concerning um, when they went through that. 
on February 19th, just days after the LAPD released the video of Elisa, guests at the Cecil Hotel began complaining about the water at the hotel. So some guests had claimed the water pressure was extremely low and that when they were, were drinking the water and that the water tasted and smelled really disgusting, like really funky. It was just it was not your normal everyday water. And there was these two guests, I believe they were from the UK, and they had said, they had been interviewed and they had said that they had turned on the tap and the water at first came out like black and then just would go back to normal, which obviously is not good. Um, so the hotel had to obviously investigate since there were so many upset guests about that. Uh, so they sent maintenance worker Santiago Lopez up to the roof to inspect the water tank. So there was, I believe, about four water tanks on the roof. One of them, he looked at the latch on the roof. It's like just a square box latch sort of thing. Um, it was like jimmied in a weird way. So he thought that was weird. He climbed up the ladder to get to the water tank and looked inside the tank. And that's when he dis- where he discovered Elisa Lamb. So she was found naked. Her clothes, so the same clothes she was wearing in the elevator, uh, were found floating beside her as well. And as well as her room key card. A statement from the chief of the LAPD said, like, the tank that Elisa uh, was found in had to be completely drained of water and then cut from the side to be able to remove her body, and it was, like, impossible to remove her from the hole in the top, so I have no idea how the hell she ended up in that tank. Uh, Hotel staff said they never saw her with anybody, and she was always by herself when she was on the premise. There was a bookstore that was close to the hotel. I believe it was called The Last Bookstore. So the only the owner, uh, Katie Orphan, she was one of the last people to see Elisa Lamb alive. She said that Elisa was in the store pur- purchasing books and music for her family back in Vancouver. So her family said that, even like with her blogs, um, it shows they they were like if she, if it was suicide, she would have left it out. There would have been something. Loved writing, so it, it was. It's a bizarre, a really bizarre case. So the autopsy report, it's about 27 pages and you can view it online. Um, so it's just like, you can go, go check that out. I went into it, but I'm off obviously no expert when it comes to reading autopsy reports. So go look at it online. I'm just going to go over what, what it literally stated in the autopsy report. So they were, they did confirm that Elisa's death was caused by drowning. She had moderate decomposition, no trauma, but they did state she had a history of bipolar disorder. And the toxicology report didn't show any acute or alcohol intoxication, so she had no, like, recreational drugs in her system, and she was not um, intoxicated at that at the time of her death. They did rule out that there was no foul play, and the manner of death is classified as an accident. So it was, she drowned by accident, which is absolutely fucking weird, because I feel like drowning would be like the worst way to die i don't i don't know it's just she clearly went through hell before her death and fuck that's just it's just so sad the report did um say that she did have antidepressants in her system at the time of her death and it's not saying that this is the reason she died or anything like that it's just what the report said the report it showed that she had taken and obviously she's on antidepressants because she does suffer from depression and she does have bipolar disorder um so she did take one antidepressant that day that was shown in the toxicology report um and she, it also stated that she took a second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently but not exactly the day she died so it was like a day or two before that but it was, so it was still like lightly in her system um and she did not take her antipsychotic medication so she 
she was prescribed all these meds. And according to the American Psychiatric Association, they recommend for bipolar disorder that an antidepressant should be taken in conjunction with a mood stabilizer and antipsychotic. So all of the medications she was taking is as per normal if you have bipolar disorder. Um, so the report actually kind of states and suggests that she may not have been taking her medications properly because if she's taking um, her set, her antidepressant and mood stabilizer a day before and then taking an uh, the antidepressant and she's not taking her antipsychotic medication that it plays with your system and she's just not taking it properly so that's i'm not saying anything that i'm not saying that that's what why she unfortunately passed unfortunately died that's just saying what the autopsy reports or the toxicology reports is claiming so that's kind of like the, the true crime behind it a little bit that's just a broad stuff that i found about how she had passed away, um, where she went missing, that kind of thing. But the story is just so bizarre because they have no idea how she got into the tank, first of all. But there are many theories. So I'm going to go into a couple of theories to make you guys think. My dad's going to be hella proud of me because last time he got really upset to say that only my mom was listening, but my dad has listened to both episodes already. And he's a huge fan. I mean, I'm his daughter. He has to support me no matter what. doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, he did say that maybe you should go into some theories to get people, like, thinking, talking. So I'm, I'm taking his constructive uh, constructive criticism, and I'm going to talk about some theories for you. And I'm going to say that my dad listens to every single episode, and he is the number one fan, just to make his heart happy. No, I'm kidding. I love him. I love you, Brian. <laughs> so, yeah, just a couple of theories regarding this case, which is so bizarre. And on, honestly, I just feel so weird right now. I'm literally sitting in my living room. I'm just talking to myself and my dog is just sitting at the stairs just staring at me being like what you're crazy what are you doing so yeah uh so one of the theories is that she was unfortunately going through a manic episode so people claim that elisa may have been um going through this manic episode because the reports kind of suggested that she wasn't taking her medications properly um and it's also noted that medic the medications that she was on are that are used to treat bipolar disorder can actually enhance the risk of manic side effects so some um, people may experience like euphoria or the inability to make proper decisions and that can lead to like psychosis hallucinations delusions and strange body movements so that kind of suggests like if you watch the the elevator video the strange body movements could be like the motions of her hands because it kind of looks like she's like the way you talk to like some like some people talk with their hands right so it kind of suggests that that could be one of it because it is a bizarre bizarre video um but some people have like latched onto this theory explaining that weird video of her in the elevator the hotel manager of cecil her name is amy price um she stated that elisa was originally booked to stay in like a hostel style room so the cecil offers these hostile hostel style rooms to as like a, a cheaper way to travel so you actually end up sharing a a room with a couple other people um but there so she was originally supposed to stay in a room like that but unfortunately there was complaints about elisa saying that she had some extremely odd behavior and it forced elisa to be moved to a room by herself but like even with elisa suffering from mental health issues how the fuck did she end up in a water tank on the roof I mean, like, any normal hotel would have, like, those doors locked and not just let, like, random guests be able to get up there. So, it's really weird. But Lopez, um, the maintenance worker who actually discovered Elisa, said that just getting to the water tank himself takes a lot of effort. So, he had to take an elevator to the 15th floor and then walk up a staircase to the roof. He then had to turn off an alarm and then to be able to open the door without the alarm going off and then climb onto a platform 
um, where the hotel water tanks were. He then had to climb onto that platform and then climb onto another ladder to be able to get to the top of that tank. So that's a lot to go through, um, for especially with someone who's in a manic state. So it's, and like, how, how would she be able to get through those doors without tripping the alarm? which is so weird. Um, so it's, it's extremely difficult to do that. So, but this is one of the theories. They're just not quite sure how she managed to get through that door without tripping the alarm. That's definitely one of the theories. Um, so the second theory was that she was murdered, unfortunately. Um, of course this is going to be, um, a theory. So this, it, this theory theme's a little stretched because no one has actually found concrete evidence that she, um, that she was with somebody on that roof, but then they also have not found concrete evidence that she wasn't murdered. So, um, could it be a hotel worker, another guest? I mean, she got through the alarm door without tripping the alarm. So that's kind of weird. Um, so some people say in the video of her in the elevator and this, this whole, whole investigation, the whole case revolves around this, this video. So some people say that the video of her in the elevators, her hiding from someone who is following her. And it, if you think about it, you can kind of see it because she's like standing in the back of the corner of the elevator. Like she looks terrified at one point and she's like looking around. I don't know, but she never like hits like a button to like go anywhere. Like she hits, it looks like she hits the elevator buttons, like multiple of them, but not to like get away from somebody. So I'm not quite sure. But this is what's weird. So she was never found with her phone to this day. They still have not been able to find her cell phone. Um, but there was a blog post, again, of her phone being stolen and the two men like aggressively pursuing her. Elisa's Tumblr was actually updated several times after her death. And most people say that the site's Q option where it allows people to automatically post at certain times or like site has permission to post on one of their users' sites while they are away and not using it. Um, so some people suspect it, that's that's just the option she had available on Tumblr. So that's why it was posted. But like people have also said that the person who stole the phone, posting for her, posting as her to make her look alive, I don't know, weird. Um, so experts have questioned how she was able to get on the roof without setting the alarm off and like undressing herself. She was found naked, uh, lift the lid of the water tank and then climb inside. Um, so, but there's no, no proof of anyone being on the roof with her besides herself, but they're uncertain how long she was in the water, like in the water tank beforehand. They did find, like they found her with the same clothes that she was in with the elevator floating beside her, but they can't determine that that was the exact day she ended up in the water tank, unfortunately. It's just the the video is the only the last video they have of, of Lisa alive. Her being murdered is one of the theories. One of the other huge, huge, huge theories is why what drew me to this case um, is basically the Cecil Hotel itself. This is the paranormal side. So this is my, the, my spooky side. This is, this is what I love talking about. So this one's going to be a bit much. And again, this, this episode is going to be kind of like a mini episode. Um, I tend to talk pretty, pretty quick and being here by myself it's just weird not having someone to, like, a response with, right? To have, like, a conversation going. So, I'm literally just talking by myself. So, this episode definitely isn't going to be as long as our first two. And, but we'll we'll get back into it, the swing of things. We just didn't, again, didn't want you guys missing out on a week. We, we want to do this for, for you guys, for you guys to be able to listen. So, we hope it's good. But, yeah. So, the, the, the third and the third theory I'm going to uh, go through is the Cecil Hotel itself. They, people have suggested that um, she was either, like, chased by a 
paranormal or she happened to be possessed. There was some like spooky, creepy ass aspect to go with it. And this whole story stems from the Cecil Hotel. So this hotel has a reputation of being one of the most haunted places in LA. It opened in 1927 and it has some pretty crazy fucked up stories. It has a crazy ass history. And so we'll, we'll deep dive into the history because a lot of shit has gone in this hotel, a lot of deaths, a lot of suicides. These stories could like potentially explain exactly why um, this place is haunted as fuck. So again, some people have theorized that Elisa may have been possessed or had been communicating with an invisible presence in the elevator. Uh, it definitely looks like, like with the hand gestures, it looks like she is talking to somebody. Um, it's just, it's bizarre. So it, I can definitely see uh, her communicating with an invisible presence there. I'm going to go through some of like the crazy shit that's happened in this this hotel, as I have said, making this hotel hella fucking haunted. Um, so the first one, in 1947, you may have heard of her. The body of Elizabeth Short was actually found next to a road that was extremely close to this hotel. Um, her body was so mutilated that the people who found her actually thought she was a mannequin. They didn't think it was real. So Elizabeth had been cut completely in half at the waist and her face had been cut from her mouth to her ears, giving her this creepy, creepy, creepy smile. Um, and she's more commonly known as the Black Dahlia. Um, and I know we are going to cover this case at some point during one of our episodes. So, and, and it's, it's a crazy ass case. So we definitely look forward to that, but it plays into this one as well. So Elizabeth Short was actually seen at the Cecil Hotel having a drink not too long before she was murdered, unfortunately. So that, that was the one of the crazy stories in this one. Uh, the second, uh, serial killer Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, was staying at the Cecil Hotel during his killing spree. So I wouldn't be surprised if he brought some of his victims back to the hotel where he murdered them. I believe he killed 13 women um, during his spree. He, it was stated that he would dump his bloodstained clothes in the dumpster out back of the hotel. Cause so he was like literally staying in this hotel and this hotel is known for a lot of serial killers, which is hella fucking creepy too. So another serial killer is Jack Underwinger. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm terrible with names. So I apologize in the future. Please no one yell at me. I appreciate it. I'm just terrible at it, but I will do my best. Um, so he was Austrian, but he was also a guest at the hotel in the, the early 1990s. And he is known for murdering 11 prostitutes. So he was staying at the hotel tell while he worked for an, Austri an Austrian magazine writing about crime in LA. So he was committing crimes but also writing about them. Um, and he's been tied to three murders in LA. So wouldn't be surprised if he happened at that time during his stay at the Cecil Hotel. So there was this lady, um, another another incident that happened at this hotel. Her name is Pigeon Goldie. So I guarantee that's probably not her real name. I wasn't able to find out what her real name was, unfortunately, but that's just the name that she went by. Um, so she was a common face around the hotel in 1964 and she got the name because she protected and like fed the local pigeons, which reminds me of like the lady from Home Alone, bless her heart. Um, so that's, that's who I've set in my mind and it's fucking heartbreaking. Um, so she was actually found dead in her room at the Cecil Hotel. Um, she had been assaulted, stabbed, and strangled. And rumor has it that she still haunts the halls of the hotel. And her death was actually the last wildly reported um, death at that hotel since, like, until Elisa. So the last big, big death that was reported at the hotel before Elisa. And this is, this next, this next incident at the hotel is just fucking bizarre. Like, this, this 
blew me out of the park when I read this. I was like, how does this, how, how does this happen? Um, so this is the strangest death to occur at the hotel. And this is the death of George Gianni and Pauline Odin. So at the time of uh, George's death, he was 65 years old. Um, and this occurred in 1962. So just a story, like, this is what happened. So, Pauline, who was 27 at the time, was arguing with her husband in um, the Cecil Hotel in a room on the ninth floor. Her husband ended up leaving the room during the argument. So, her husband is not George. So, her husband ended up leaving the room during the argument, and Pauline was just so fucking devastated of this argument. Um, she actually wrote a suicide note and then proceeded to jump out the window of her ninth story hotel room. However, when she jumped out the window, George Gianni and happened to be walking directly below that, that window and Pauline actually landed on him, killing them both instantly. Like his hands were still in his pocket when they, they got to him. Like he was just walking down the street and she landed on him and they both died, which is the most bizarre death to ever fucking occur. And this is why hotels have locked windows now. Um, so again, the back on the suicide track in the 1930s, there was plenty of suicides, not even just in the Cecil Hotel, just the era itself, because it was the when the Great Depression hit, which is an extremely hard time. But there was a lot of suicides that took place in the 1930s at the Cecil Hotel. So in 1931, W.K. Norton was found dead in his room in the Cecil Hotel after eating poison capsules. He was 46. In 1932, Benjamin Deutsch was found dead in his room by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He was only 25 years old. In 1934, Louis D. Borden, he was a former army medical surgeon, was found with his throat slashed. There was suicide notes in his room, so his death was ruled a suicide. In 1937, Grace E. Margot was found wrapped in the telephone wires outside of the Cecil Hotel because she jumped from her room on the ninth floor, which is really fucking weird. So Grace's death occurred before Pauline's, but it was on the same floor. It could have been the same room. Who knows? Because that's so weird. Like, but it's it's really fucking weird that this this happened on the ninth floor. In 1938. Roy Thompson, he was a U.S. Marine, jumped out of his room window also. He was 35 years old. In 1939, Erwin C. Neblett was found dead after ingesting poison. He was also a Navy officer and he was 39 years old. In 1954, it's reported that um, a lady named Julie Moore jumped from her 8th story window and Helen Gurney from her 7th floor window. So a lot, a lot, a lot of suicides. And these are just some of them. This isn't all of them. This is just some of the suicides that occurred at the, the Cecil Hotel during the 1930s. I mean, already this this hotel has seen its fair share of suicides, deaths, serial killers, especially if like Richard Miras was bringing his victims back to the Cecil Hotel. I don't, I feel like those victims probably aren't very um, settling and very well with their death. I feel like I would, if I, that was me, I'd fucking haunt that place too. I'd be pissed. So I wouldn't be surprised if this place is haunted by a shit ton of stuff. Um, again, paranormal activity that's happened in this hotel, which is it's con obviously considered one of the most haunted places in, in LA, and many of the hauntings are believed to be linked to all the not high number of suicides. Many guests claim to see dark figures in their rooms, as well as roaming the hotel hallways. There are pictures of people getting um, orbs and apparitions, and it's just spooky. Um, guests have said they've seen like apparitions at the bottom of their bed, and they'll be like tugging on their sheets. I would shit myself. I couldn't do it. Nope. I mean, like, I've always wanted to stay in a haunted place. I mean, my house is pretty haunted, but it's not in any way, shape, or form. I don't feel like it's negative. 
I don't feel like my life is threatened, but I feel like staying at the Cecil Hotel, I would never sleep at all. Like I wouldn't, I want to tour these places and be able to stay in these places to say I did it, but it's honestly, it's too fucking scary. I know like in the future that Holly and I want to go to some of like some, there are plenty of haunted hotels. There's a haunted museum in the town that I live in and we kind of want to tour these places and I feel like those are going to be like future episodes. It's going to be really cool. We have a lot of fucking ideas for this podcast, but yeah, like I feel like staying at the Cecil Hotel is like a nightmare waiting to happen. There's been so much stuff. So again, people have claimed that an apparition would be tugging at their bed sheets. Uh, a kid, I believe it was a kid at the time, um, his name was Costin Alderit. He took a photo of the hotel where it looks like it like shows a figure or apparition hanging outside the fourth floor window. So it kind of looks like someone's like about to like jump out the window. It is, it's creepy. I feel like this is going to be one of the pictures that we are going to post uh, for this, this episode, but it, it's, it's, bizarre. And also, um, so the Cecil Hotel has been covered by a lot of paranormal investigators. I do watch Ghost Adventures. It was on Ghost Adventures. I know it's on a lot of those, those type of shows. It, it's, it's, it's definitely one of the one hotels that everyone has to check it out and everything like that. That's a little spooky history about the hotel. And maybe one of the reasons, like it could play into a theory that she was having some sort of possession or was in contact with some invisible presence, spirit, whatever it happened to be. Who knows? But yeah, it's just one of the theories. Um, so this case is just absolutely bizarre. You honestly, no one will ever know what was going through her head, whether she was having a manic episode or she was actually murdered um, or she happened to be possessed or communicating with some type of invisible force, invisible spirit, who knows? But the elevator video, it's, it's chilling. It's chilling to watch. It's almost heartbreaking to watch too because at some point, she looks absolutely terrified, but her death was ruled accidental and accidental drowning, and that's all they have. Um, yeah, so that's the case of the mysterious case of Elisa Lamb. There are some, like, facts about this story. Um, so the story itself of Elisa Lamb actually inspired the season of American Horror Story Hotel. Um, so during a press conference for the American Horror Story show, Ryan Murphy, the creator of the American Horror Story season hotel, um, stated that the new season, and I quote, was inspired by a surveillance video from a Los Angeles-based hotel that surfaced two years ago. The footage showed a girl in an elevator who was never seen again. I mean, obviously, Elisa Lamb. That's, I mean, there's no other case like this. So it's just nuts. Um, so I know Elisa's story is actually portrayed in a video game as well. It's like YIIK, YIIK, a postmodern RPG. I'm not sure if there's an actual way to pronounce that first word, YIIK, um, but I know it's like kind of like a, Switch, a Nintendo Switch game. But yeah, so her story is also portrayed uh, in that video game as well. So that's a few creepy things, but that's that's the story of Elisa Lamb. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I know that this episode isn't as long as we like to have it, but I thought this that this one was a good one to talk about because it just kind of pulls in everything, and it's just it's just such a bizarre case. And she's from Canada, so so this that's the story um, of Elisa Lamb. That's all that's all I got for you guys, and I guess we'll we'll talk to you next week. But in the meantime, you guys can hang out with us on our social media. We do have Instagram, and our Instagram is a Spooky Hour Podcast. We do have Twitter, and that is Spooky Hour. So if you just 
type in at spooky hour we will pop up we do have a gmail it is the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com but yeah so so if you'd like in the future we are thinking about doing an episode where we get to tell your guys spooky spooky tales so if you have any crazy stories whether it's true crime or paranormal personal stories anything um give us an email we're gonna in the future do an episode called we're gonna call it our spooky tales and we're just gonna read you guys emails and give you guys a shout out and talk about your guys spooky tales or true crime tales whatever you have for us uh so give us an email about it we have gotten a few so we just want to keep them sorted so in the title just say that it is one of the spooky tales so shoot us an email with your spooky tales and we'll get that that episode out soon hopefully um so we hope you stay spooky bye bye <laughs>